Today's episode is brought to you by Tua T Fitness and the Brew Bar. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Tremors Edition, still. My name is Michael Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, as always, is your friend and mine, the fabulous Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hello, Tom. Free Willy and let the big dog eat. <laughs> I thought you might say uh, swallow a little bit of cement and let your balls drop or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, uh, this is interesting. While I always appreciate Burt Gummer's comical turn of phrase, in this movie it gets increasingly weird and slapdash. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, there's I a think, lot of things uh, in this movie it, that that don't work quite as well as the other movies. Let's Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it's a it's a metaphor for the entire movie. I, I think at yeah. one point, Bert's zingers become so abstract that in Shrieker Island they have to actually correct it. <laughs> they have a they have a conversation <laughs> about how you know not just anyone can do Bert Gummerisms. Um, yeah. Right. And I right. think that that might be secretly a poke at their own. Uh, out of control screenwriting. <laughs> well, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are talking about Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell, a 2018 movie directed by Don Michael Paul. The Hitchcock Did he direct any of the other sequels. movies, Tom? He sure did. Huh? He surely did. Um... Did he direct it? But, but I mean, did he direct any of the other Tremors movies? Is this his first Tremors? No, no. He's done a few Tremors. He's the guy that we've been talking about, right? The the Hitchcock of video sequels. He's the professional? Um, okay. Yeah. He's, the, he's, he, he's Shrieker Island. I'm wondering why I didn't lines. have it in my notes. Because we've been doing this for conservatively five years. Oh, yeah. Where's my Bloodlines notes? Okay. <laughs> he's in charge since Bloodlines. Basically, he he's he is the Very good then. The yeah. So he's he's the video auteur that we've been talking about for the past movie or so. All right, good. Apologies. Usually I'm more prepared. So he's the <laughs> <laughs> Just an insight into how long we've been recording these yeah, exactly. podcasts. That that uh the ink on Michael's notes has now faded. <laughs> Oh, I know why. I tore that page out because I had so many notes on that that I had it on the back and I wanted it for easy reference. That's yeah. what it is. We we've used up a year's worth of a law firm a law firm's legal pads. Oh man! Just doing notes for this movie. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mention that because I keep all my notes on the legal pads, and mm-hmm. I mean I've had legal pads for years. Right. You know what I mean? Where you just don't use them that often. 
Now that we're doing this is fucking this, show, is this an eighty stand-up routine you're you're beginning? Oh my here? God. I'm just saying. What's the deal with legal pads? I have I go through so many legal pads now, where if I start, I'm like, thank God, a brand new pad. This should last a while, and then you know, cut to fourteen days later, I'm like, fuck, I need a new legal pad. I'm out of pad. Well, well, yes, uh, and also we 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 are increasingly doing uh, podcasts for franchises that are seven and eight films long. I'll say. So I think you're you're probably actually uh, being pretty economical. Okay, good. <laughs> so listen, I got to get something uh, out, and I got to get it out right now. We talked in our. Introductory episode to the Tremors series, and we talked about people we know who love the series that came to a yeah. surprise uh, to us. That's and right. one of them was our my dear friend Kristen Fogel. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Kristen the other day and mentioned that we were recording these podcasts, and holy shit, did she get angry that she's not involved in the recording of these podcasts? She was so mad at me, Tom, and I mm-hmm. said, "Well, look, we're." We're, we're recording uh, A Cold Day in Hell, and we'll do uh, you know, Shrieker Island as well. Join us for those. Now, of course, it turned out that these are the only two movies she hadn't seen yet. <laughs> right. She said no. And I said, well, you just watch them, and then, you, you know, join us. And she said no. And I said, okay. hey, I'll re-record the first four, five fucking movies if you want. And she said no. And what I learned And is I that, say no. Huh? And I say no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I did that without your permission, but <laughs> but you would have, you would have had d- to ADR my part. I I did it knowing what the response would be because Kristen Fogel would always rather carry a grudge against me mm-hmm. than actually talk about Tremors on the podcast. Why? Because she's a fucking monster. Well, she she's welcome to have her own episode uh, later on. I, I'm not averse to revisiting this, and uh, to be honest, that what we've done since Tremors that the listeners don't know about, what we've gone through since the end of this Tremors, I'm very happy to go back to this. <laughs> we 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 have got some. We have got some laborious stuff coming up, at least for me. I don't think it's the same for Mike. So um, uh, I'd be very happy to revisit this as soon as humanly possible. Oh, man. (laughs) I'll save it because I know what you're talking about. But let's just say I'm right and you're wrong. Okay. (laughs) If If you reverse that, I will. Yeah, if you reverse that, then that's true. How dare you? All right. Enough of that. It's a cold day in hell. A cold day in hell. Now. We will agree on something. We do agree. We both have this last in the series. Yes, I actually think think we're pretty much on the same page here. Yeah, we both think uh, it's a bad movie. We declared it as a bad movie, correct? Correct, yes. Right. All right. How bad is it, Tom? (laughs) <laughs> is it you you are you are in like johnny carson late night <laughs> mode today how bad is it what's the deal with legal pads um it is so this is my analogy uh 
um, you've seen Casino, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, there's a comment in there. One of my favorite lines from the movie is when uh, Joe Pesci describes an incompetent gangster um, by saying he could fuck up a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Great line. Uh, and this Absolutely. is how I feel about this movie. Um, this movie has excellent beans and the worst possible barista making the coffee. <laughs> because on paper, this is one of the more interesting Tremors sequels. Because yeah, I would agree with that. I was I was very interested when I heard it was going to be cold and in Canada. Yeah. That right. was interesting to me. And it, it just... It, they abandoned all of that immediately, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, this is weirdly, you know, we're, what, six movies in. This is the first time they recognize the, the serial potential of these Tremors sequels. That, you know, uh-huh. you can that you can uh, refer to what happens between this film and the last film, that you can go back to previous sequels in the franchise and bring right. elements of that back, um, that we can have, you know, continuity. Including the of, original. Right. We can have yeah. continuity of um, characters. You know, this is the first time uh, in any of the sequels that uh, a sidekick to Burt Gummer comes back for a consecutive movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those things, you know... Uh, are excellent um as you say you know this this kind of arctic wasteland shift is a is a <laughs> right. is a brilliant change of pace um but you know it fluffs it all to me yeah well i talked about in the in our introductory in our ranking episode our minisode you know one of my first notes is this idea i talked about We've all seen day for night shots. Yes. But I've never in my life seen uh, sand for snow. (laughs) And I mean, it's when you start the movie, you think, okay, this is fun. We're in the snow. Mm. Wait, are we in the snow? Wait, what's Mm -hmm. going on? And it just looks like they, you know, put a a white gel over the (laughs) over uh, the process or, you know, and they're clearly walking in the desert mm-hmm. that is subbing for snow. And I thought, what the fuck? Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because this this is a sort of, in general, I think, uh, you know, when we talk about Shrieker Island, I think there's a kind of leveling off of the cinematic and video qualities to the point where it sort of becomes indistinguishable mm-hmm. in gen- you know, by 2020. But this is 2018, and this looks very cheap. Yeah. And a lot of the artistic decisions they make to try and cover the cheapness make it more cheap. Seem right, like yeah, more cheap exactly. Uh, there's a lot of mobile camera work in here, a lot of, you know, zooming and panning. And I think, you know, I think they're trying to hide the fact that they, they don't want the audience to see what's on screen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, exactly, what's on screen right. is not is not what is being represented here. Yeah, exactly. We're yeah. in a, we're in a different place from where we're supposed to be, and the the tech you know you can o- there's only so many techniques you can use to hide that. Well, um, and they even hide it for the story. I mean, I, I just think it's strange that they go to all this trouble. 
people wearing boots, people with goggles, people shivering in this opening scene (laughs) in which they're clearly walking around in the sand. And then our heroes, you know, Bert and Travis, get to where they're going. And again, this movie was shot in South Africa for a second film in a row. And but they're supposed to be in Canada and they're supposed to be in the Arctic. Right. And the first thing that happens is, hey, where's all the snow? Well, because of global warming, it's been right, uh, which which is inadvertently a problem because it kind of it kind of casually dismisses climate change. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. To cover their asses with regards just to to cover their asses that they filmed in South Africa. So all of it felt, to your point, it, one, it felt lazy and strange. Like if you don't, if you don't have the means to go to the cold, uh, whatever, set set it in the South Africa again. But it lent to a cheap feeling. Yeah, the uh, I mean, and the, the the I guess the flip side of what I'm talking about in in making it, you know, making it a serial installment in the 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 tremors sequels the flip side of that is that it can seem like less of a movie in its own right you know like a kind of afterthought to bloodlines which Mm -hmm. you know both on both on screen with the fact that you know jamie kennedy as travis is back we're you know we're we're continuing straight on from the end of the last movie it feels that way. Behind the scenes, they're filming in South Africa again. Um, it's just, it feels shoddier and less complete than Bloodlines. So the downside of that is it can kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. And I think that's a, that's that's kind of what happened mm-hmm. with this one. I would agree. It's, the, it's easily the most forgettable of the films. Yeah. The sequels. It- yeah. It's easily the most forgettable, but going back to my first question, is it how far below the other films is this movie? Is it close to being enjoyable for you, or is it far removed from that? Because uh, there are things in this movie I liked, but I don't know. They're just too far and few between. Yeah, no, I I mean, I'd go, I'd go back to my original point, which is that... that uh, in abstract, I like the things, but I don't remember enjoying right. any of them as they appear on screen. Even what could have potentially been one of the most successful moments in the franchise, which is when, you know, is the punchline to a running gag that's been going since the beginning of the Tremors movies, the IRS finally catches up to Bert. Right, yeah. And for some reason, that falls flat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, it, it's all down to execution. You know, again, you're fucking up a cup of coffee because if, if you have that in your lap, you should be doing way more with it and it should be way more effective than it is. I know I have a note here that says, is this a movie about solving a tax problem? Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, again, I think, I think <laughs> that's the problem that, you know, where, uh, it, it's this weird kind of. It's this this weird effect where, ironically, focusing more on Bert and his backstory, it somehow weirdly decenters him. Mm-hmm. 
it's like there's a there's a very there's a very fine balance of how you use Burt Gummer. And I think if you overcook that pot by putting in too much backstory, too much uh you know, too too much basically trying to resolve things that uh to trying to wrap up any kind of hanging story threads that surround Bert, which is what this movie does in a lot of different ways. Um we actually just we just we lose focus on what's good about that character and why he's so good at carrying these movies. Right. You know, he ends up in a bed for the last quarter of this movie. I yeah, right? I mean <laughs> that that's the and, last place you want Bert Gummer is an invalid in bed <laughs> during a Tremors movie. But that's all a result of calling back to something that happened to him yeah. in the previous sequel. Uh, right. Which you know, when he in aftershocks, when he gets, is it aftershocks, right? Where he gets eaten by Swallowed. the graboid. I, um, no, I think it's the next one. Okay. Uh, I think it's somewhere where... somewhere in Tremors two to three, somewhere in that area. Yeah. He gets eaten by. Uh, I think it's when grab... he goes back to perfection. He uh, yeah, he gets eaten by a graboid. He breaks his way out, but he but he's contracted a virus that has been dormant inside him since then. <laughs> no. Um, which is a very interesting idea. Unfortunately, it means that he's bedridden for a good portion of this movie. Um, yeah, and... I was of two minds for that. I yeah, thought, me too. I thought it was interesting, and I also thought how terribly inconvenient. Like, you think, from a writing standpoint, you think it's it's convenient, oh, we can bring this up? Even yeah. though it happened like 900 movies ago. <laughs> but, but because of what happens to him in the story, it turns out to be inconvenient. Right. Uh, for yeah, the purposes and again, of this movie. It's an unintended byproduct of, of doing something which is really uh, is a really good idea, which is to focus on the serial nature of these movies. But, you know, because we've... One, we've forgotten that this ever happened because there's, like you say, there's been so many movies in between. Um, and and also because this, you know, it, it's not like he's been having these hallucinations periodically throughout mm-hmm. these movies. They start in this movies. It feels more like a retcon, which is essentially what it is. But yeah. they're trying to spin that as, um, you know, as continuity. Right, and they because even, it I mean, refers back retconning... to something that happens, but it's just, you know, it obviously was not. It obviously, will, whenever it happened, whether it's in aftershocks or Back to Perfection, at the time they're not thinking we're going to follow this up in you know four movie, three four movies time. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it is a retcon, but um, they don't really lean into that. That they they really think that they're doing. The Wire or something <laughs> in terms of like you know something happens in one season and then three seasons later it's called back to right uh, you know as if that's that's enough but a retcon is a retcon is a retcon sure <laughs> yeah I think it's funny that they're even trying to retcon how Graboids got into the cold despite the fact they're shooting in Africa <laughs> and well don't they aren't they described as pre pre Cambrian Something like that. So, and again, I think this is like 
you know, prequels are still big in 2018. And I think, you know, they wanted to have the idea of a prequel within a sequel that these yeah. are like, these are like prequel monsters in a sequel. Mm. I think that's what right. they were going for with this yeah. idea that they predate the, the mon- other graboids, the other graboids that we've it's seen. It's like, yeah, um, it's a, uh, it's uh, kind of like uh, Encino Man graboid. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we're just getting started, everybody. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, listen to some fabulous commercials, and when you come back, we'll get it deep into the uh, so-called plot of this movie, A Cold Day in Hell. <laughs> right Which, after I, this. Hey, I, I will defend the plot of this movie. I will defend the All plot right. of this movie. Deflend? I will def... def- <laughs> Plot the plot, <laughs> the plant of this movie. Uh, I'm also good. from Scandinavia. <laughs> Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2AT Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2AT Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tua T Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back. Tom and I are here discussing the 2018 uh, film Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. All right. So, Tom, what is happening in this fucking story? You said you like this, this story uh, idea itself, even if they didn't, yeah. you know, hit the nail on the head. So uh, w- what's happening with the Graboids this time? Uh, they're old new Graboids. Mm-hmm. They're in uh, the Arctic part of South Africa, and <laughs> they they are uh, attacking a research station that has more human beings than I have ever right. seen yeah. in a single building. And despite the fact that there is global warming, so there's not as much snow, it is supposed to be cold, but of course... You have scantily clad women uh, standing in the water, if I remember correctly, taking some kind of measurements, (laughs) some unknown measurements in a tank top. Mm hmm. That's that's correct. I mean, I I, sorry, I interrupted. No, you didn't. You didn't. No, you really didn't. (laughs) Uh, That was that was all I had to say. And and just to, you know, now that I brought it up, uh, there are too many characters in this movie. Yeah, far too many characters. I don't know who any of them are really, apart from the the you know maybe a handful uh, of of the people who talk most to 
Bert and Travis. The others couldn't tell you. Yeah, um, right. I don't know where they are geographically. The action is so badly filmed. I don't get a sense of where they yeah. are in proximity to each other. And because there are so many of them, the script is basically people repeating the same dialogue in different ways, three different ways often, just to give them something mm-hmm. to do or say. Um, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's bizarre. I mean, we've. I, I, I mean, I don't know if it's a deliberate attempt just to do something different by saying, oh, well, we usually have a small pool of characters. Let's let's try and expand that and have a bigger ensemble. But uh, mm-hmm. then you realize why a small pool of characters is is the is, is desirable <laughs> because yeah. you know you you can give them more than just like character ticks you know you can none of them are, are sufficiently developed um right i mean you have the uh the person who i just called uh dr coward yes who just my note is he really doesn't get it. He is constantly putting his life in danger yeah. based on how big a fucking coward he is. And I just, you know, I, I kept saying to myself, can we just kill this guy and move on? I, I was actively thinking about, well, let's kill this person and this person and this person. Let's do that in like the next three minutes. And then maybe we can start a movie. And quite often, uh, someone that I thought had been killed then turned up in a later scene. Yeah, right. I feel like the guy who dies on one of the rigs late on in the movie, that, that, that that's happened a couple of times that he died on that rig. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so there's, there's that. I mean, <laughs> one of the characters... That... There's also the pilot. Right. That that woman pilot seems to get lost for about an hour. Yeah. Like, is she just working on the plane? Well, that well, that's that's what but I mean about working I don't... on the plane would attract noise. I get the sense that everyone is stuck in their little place. Right. I don't know why that I don't know why they're stuck or what the obstacle is for them to get from place to place, and I don't know what what that the re- geographical relationship of those places are to each other. Yeah, they are. they're they're not related to each other at all. That's you know. Well, I mean, one of the characters that that unfortunately stands out for me is you know our new graboid enthusiast, which is is a callback to a couple of things. Uh, she's the daughter of characters right. from Tremors, so you you're already Kevin Bacon's daughter. Kevin Bacon's daughter. Um. Is this one? I mean, you mentioned before that he was threat. He threatened to come back a few times, but it never happened. Is this one of the times? This looks like one of the times. I, uh, I think by now he was firmly out. But, <laughs> but, well, and that's the thing is, and he we're was too talk busy doing I next... Love Dick at this point, <laughs> and making British uh, cell phone commercials. <laughs> Oh, is that what he's doing? He did that for a while. Uh, you know, that's what makes me think that uh, even as late, if he was still doing that in 2018, doing a Tremors video sequel might not be the worst thing for his career. But. Come on. Anyway. Kevin Bacon is beyond a cold day in hell. Well, it, it's just it's just interesting because. I'd love to have him back for any of the other movies. She's but... just a surrogate for him. 
right. not being in the movie because her entire dialogue is my dad once said my parents told me once right yeah that's all she she just channels it and it's like it's not the same it's not the same as having yeah, Kevin no, Bacon no, yeah. in the movie to report yeah. what he said to you at a different time <laughs> um well, and I kept having that feeling over and over and over again when I when I when she first revealed herself to be his daughter and and actually so and and I can't remember the character's name, but she's the daughter of the woman from that first movie as she well. Is, yeah. You know, his his, his love right, interest from right. that movie. And I remember thinking when I first heard that I was like, "Oh, okay, that's interesting. That's, you know, it's one of those things that these movies always do. There's a great example of of it in Shrieker Island, which we'll talk about next, but sure. where I was saying to myself, who the fuck are these people and how do they know anything about this? And then it's revealed how and why. But And so, and that's one of the things that the series does well, I think, in general, in general. connecting, yeah, <laughs> not past here. movies to whatever you're seeing yeah. now. But not no. here. I was, I was, I was like excited to see. I was like, oh, okay, I'm on board for that. But to what you were just saying, everything she says is just reporting something that Kevin Bacon had told her when she was a child. And you're just, you know, at a certain point, you're just kind of tired. And the only, the, the other big problem with this is the only autonomy that she has as a character calls back to something that we've identified as one of the worst things about these sequels, which is Grady. Yeah. Because she's this, she, you know, she identifies herself as a graboid enthusiast and, you know, that the, the kind of graboid encyclopedia uh, kind of fangirl in the same way that Grady was in the second movie. And, you know, go back to the, go out to the Aftershocks episode and you'll see how little we cared for that. So, She's basically she's caught mm-hmm. between two character functions, neither of which have anywhere to go, um, and 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 yeah, portray right. like the worst mistakes. And on of top this of that, right? And on top of that, you have so you have the character of Travis B. Welker, Jamie yeah, Kennedy, coming back, which again is a great idea. Coming back. I think it's a great idea too, but in in regards to, I don't even remember her character's name. Not Kevin Bacon. It, oh yeah, so not Kev, not not Kevin Bacon. She she's taking on what would seem to be the role of the young attractive woman, except then they have a doctor who's like a second attractive woman. So there's doubling up yeah. of characters. And. And to your like, like you said earlier, I mean, there's just too many fucking people in this movie. Yeah, and and, it, and you know, this one of the joys of this series has been the romantic subplot between mm-hmm. two characters, usually Bert's sidekick and you know whoever is in charge else, of right. wherever they are. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I really like that aspect of movies, and and it's something I look forward to in every movie. But yeah, because it's just kind of swallowed up by. What other characters and similar characters and similar relationships? It it just mm-hmm. seems perfunctory to me. Um, it was as though they thought, even though she's an adult woman, that this daughter of Kevin Bacon and and the first love is would be thought of as as a little girl or or, or be thought of as to regard her the way maybe Bert would, and so that Travis can't 
be after her. He's got to be after somebody else. It's like it felt like that decision was yeah. made, and that's why they added a second woman. Well, I mean, yeah. two out of the five <laughs> women. Yeah, I, 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 if if there is indeed any logic behind having this many characters, then then that might have been part of it. I I I think I think it is maybe just. <laughs> I can o- I can only think it, it's just like we want we want a kind of disaster movie where there's lots of different types of people in the same place that that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do here and and that that's the way that we distinguish this movie but it's to the detriment of the movie sadly mm-hmm. to have so yeah. many uh, uh ill-defined and undefined characters um so it's 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 problematic in in that respect. And also, you know, I think <laughs> a, a kind of rule about I would say about exposition for me is that if even mm-hmm. the characters in the movie are commenting on how clunky the exposition is, <laughs> your exposition <laughs> is too clunky. Yeah, right. <laughs> At one point Jamie Kennedy says, "No shit, Sherlock," to some to some piece of exposition. I'm just like Guys, if if your characters are tired of hearing exposition, how do you think we feel? Right, yeah. Read the writing on the wall, please. Well, let me ask you this, because we talked about this at length in our last podcast, and we had differing views on it in regards to the first person dying being a black man. Yeah. I thought it was more purposeful as opposed to ignorant, Racism, which I am I right in characterizing that's how you felt the filmmakers were ignorant in how racist they were being. Uh, y- yes. Well, because okay. I, I have a with, note specific here. Specific regards to South Africa, I think they hadn't clocked right that the racist history of South Africa changes everything. Okay. Because I have a couple of notes here that uh, like. Uh, there's a uh, first death, a black woman, second dead person, also black. <laughs> Those are my notes. <laughs> okay. Um, thoughts. Well, I think you've I think you've said it all. Said it all there. Um, <laughs> I mean, I guess that's more egregious. It, Maybe it's, it's just more this director. That, I mean, it's more egregious that that happens given how many characters you have to choose from to die. Right, yeah. That's why that's why I found it more upsetting in this one. Yeah, I I got to say I, I I didn't notice that. I mean, I did I did find it hard to keep track of who died when and who's still alive. Um but uh I I I fully believe that. Uh Yeah, interesting. Well, that's I mean, uh, on a on a political level, I I, I think this this again, it, trying to do something interesting with Burt Gummer and his politics and failing miserably here. So I feel like in previous yeah. sequels, previous sequels are either on Burt's side or they're not. And I kind of like the fact that um, there's that clarity in them. Like, Back to Perfection is like, yeah, Burt's right. <laughs> right, yeah, right. Tremors the Legends Begins is like, uh, Bert's kind of a dark character. I don't think we should be supporting him. Bloodlines is like, no, it turns out he was right. This right. one is kind of like, 
you know, from the very beginning, I mean, you know, we're now post-Trump. Well, we were in the we're like in the in the meat of the Trump era, and there's talk about mm. how he's you know it's an open carry state, so it places him within the politics of that. But by the end of the movie, it turns out everything, all his conspiracy theory ramblings have turned out to be true. So, right. I mean, there was a point in the movie where you sort of think that he is just being paranoid and and that the government aren't trying to develop bioweapons. Um, or, you know, that that it's not about water rights and that kind of stuff. But... The government yeah. do turn out to be the bad guys, and Bert's right after all. So I think it's 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 kind of that ambiguity is all for naught, really. Um, but that's I mean to me that's worse than I, I prefer what Bloodlines and Back to Perfection do, where they're like, you know, we're just going to adopt his perspective and see the movie through his eyes. Through his eyes. Which is right, ironic, yeah, exactly. because you get more actual Burp Gummer POV in this movie than you do in any other movie. Than any other movie, see that's him, true. see his nightmares, which originally I thought was like Burt Gummer PTSD, which I would... Well, that's one of my notes, <laughs> was, was PTSD Gummer. <laughs> which I would understand far more, given what he's been through, what we've seen him go through. But it turns right. out it's just this, this virus that's been living inside him uh, for, for years. years. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I guess, a little bit of a disappointment. Well, it turns out to be a disappointment just because they it it, it renders him immobile. Yeah, and I, you know, I I get I have got got the sense throughout this movie that you know they start talking about his legacy very early on in the movie, and I think I probably knew that he survived the movie. Uh, just because I knew there was another movie afterwards and that he was in it. But I was sort of like, well, you could sort of, you know, you you could go either way with this. You could kill Bert off if you want to. You probably, they probably, it seemed like they maybe filmed enough where you could let him die without filming additional scenes, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it went so far into the deathbed stuff. Um. And they're talking about his legacy and passing the gauntlet. There's even a, you know, there's a, there's a mo. Yeah, there's a real. There's a passing father to son thing through, through the through the cubby's cap. Which right, let's yeah. face it, even Crystal Skull didn't go that far to actually let <laughs> Shia LaBeouf wear that hat. Okay, <laughs> e- even you know, I don't know whether that was just Harrison Ford. At the end of that movie, Harrison Ford is like, "Hey, get your fucking, fucking hands, hands off, off of that." Hat. <laughs> but they go as far to do that, so I, I kind of thought like they're, they're at the very least they're feeling out. Hey, what if we kill off Bert? He's not gonna live. Michael Gross isn't gonna live forever. We want to keep making these movies. Um, that you know, does it does it make sense? Would it work? What would we need to do? Um, they could have killed him and he could have come back. They could have gone Curly's Gold on that one. <laughs> Well, they've gone Curly's Gold when he played his own ancestor. This yeah, is like two true. films from Curly's Gold. Uh, <laughs> and that won't be the last time you mention the City Slickers 2, The Legends of Curly's Gold in this uh, podcast, for sure. Um, no, I, I so, so I sort of think there, there is something... Yeah, I, I get the sense that it really could have gone either way in terms of whether, whether Bert survives or not. Uh, 
and the whole film is kind of like a, a fake out because yeah much more so than the next movie <laughs> this which we seem to be itching to talk about <laughs> well it's it's you know like it, it it prepares you this movie kind of prepares you for something that doesn't happen uh in terms of Bert's mortality and it's just interesting mm-hmm. that the next movie doesn't do that and yet uh he to the best of our knowledge spoiler alert to the best of our knowledge expires in that movie oh mercy yeah I was I was I was planning on putting our disclaimer at the top of that episode Tom you're kind of fucking shit up for people <laughs> if you haven't seen Shrieker Island by by now I mean when this comes out this is it, it'll yeah, when, when this, this comes when out, this it'll comes be... out um, if you haven't seen Shriek Ryan, that's your own fault. It'll be free by the yeah, time it'll this be about comes five out months. as well. So <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to Amazon Prime rental it like we did. Uh, yeah. All right, we're gonna take another break, and when we come back, we will finish out Tremors: A Cold Day in Hell. Right after this, everyone, stay tuned. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here talking about Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell. All right, Tom. <laughs> where where are we going here? Well, I you know we're in Canada, South Africa. <laughs> You're already wrong. Go yeah. on. <laughs> and they're at the research station, all shit kind of goes haywire, and by the end they decide in order to save Bert we have to catch a graboid. My note classic, is catching yeah. the beast is the biggest nonsense in the fucking series. I mean, it's a classic sequel inversion, and it has you know has to be seen for that. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, after all after all this time, now we have to keep the graboid alive to save us. Yeah, uh, it reeks of that, which I don't. Yeah, I, again, I don't mind. It looks good on paper, but you're absolutely right. It's a it's it's a bunch of nonsense. 
and puts minutes on the movie that don't need to be there. Yeah, that was the other thing. I mean, just minutes upon minutes upon minutes, right? Yeah. What about all uh, the stuff right before that, where they're kind of like they're trying to get to that shed and they're jumping up on rocks and trying to get from one section to another section? Was any of that exciting for you or? Um, it would have been. I just it's bizarre to me. I, I don't by the next by Shrieker Island, Don Michael Paul's directorial hand is so assured. Mm hmm. Them, this just feels like a troubled production because, and you know, Bloodlines, you know, is is the action is really well done. I really like the look of Bloodlines too. I yeah. mean, going back to that, I don't think we talked about it in the episode, but one of the thing I like was the shot selection. There was a lot, a lot more close-ups on faces where you have to mm -hmm. actually see good acting and. To me, it was visually interesting to look at, and this movie didn't really have that at all for me. Well, the action's really hard to follow. I mean, you're talking about things that I didn't necessarily know happened. Right. <laughs> um, and we've never had that problem before in the series, and we won't in the next movie. So I, I don't know, I don't know what's up here. I'd love to, I'd love to get some BTS insight into. Uh, my suspicion is this was like, hey, we're here. Should we make another Tremors movie? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I I know about fifty people who could play a bunch of undeveloped characters just to fill out the movie. Mm -hmm. There's even a point. You know, one of the reasons that like that that I have those hairs on the back of my neck of like something went wrong here, like in watching a movie. There's a moment at which Jamie Kennedy is kind of caught on camera. In a moment when they're supposed to be running away, like ferociously, and he's going really slowly, and yeah, I'm like, "Yeah, I remember I'm that." Like, Does he know he's on camera? Do, right. <laughs> Is he aware he's being chased? <laughs> and Does you know, the character I think know. Having. I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but while we're talking about Jamie Kennedy, you know, while I had a little, you know, some reservations about his use in Bloodlines overall, I was pretty happy with it. I, I was loved definitely him in happy. Bloodlines. I was happy to see him back. I was happy that you know they have a a returning sidekick. Yeah. And for them to for him to just kind of become the sort of irony monitor. Yeah. Of right. this movie's script, it's a waste. Yeah. To me. Totally. And, you know, where it's interesting because where you really need him emotionally with regards, because Bert's illness is kind of a fake out overall. Well, I, yeah, one of my notes is that at a certain point, this whole movie turns into like an episode of House. <laughs> it really <laughs> <You> does. <know? laughs> maybe, uh, well, maybe, maybe... Maybe there was a situation where they were coming up, you know, they had the, the crew of Bloodlines. Someone was filming House and they were just like, <laughs> yeah, I got an idea. What do they have to get out of the mouth? A gland? <laughs> if you if you look very closely, you can see a bemused Hugh Laurie in yeah, the background just of one in of the these corner. going, what are you doing here? Remind I'm rebooting me, rem House. What are you doing? <laughs> What is it they have to get out of the Graboid's mouth? Is it a gland? I don't know. Jamie Kennedy's in there for a while, isn't he? Yeah. Well, that's which, another part which, where... Which is the whole reason Bert has that virus. Is that he got inside a Graboid. Yeah. 
And so Jamie Kennedy's goes inside a solution to that is to go inside as well. <laughs> but they also have this moment where they're they're tr- they have to get something out of the mouth. I think it's a gland, isn't it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 sure. But you know, it's like one person struggling. They have this kind of survivor moment. In the show Survivor, mm-hmm. when somebody's trying to complete a task and they're just too damn tired or whatever, and they switch out, they sub in. They're like, all right, give me a try. And they keep having somebody try again <laughs> yeah. and again and again. Like uh, that scene in Airplane where everyone's lining up to punch, to the, punch uh, the, the hysterical woman in the face. Leave it to Beaver, like, Mom. You could literally do that here right. with, with the gravel. You could have a line of Barbara like, an endless line right? of people. I'm like, hey, I'm pretty sure that guy died in a previous scene. Get him out. <laughs> Get him the fuck out. You know, I only just put it together. You, something you mentioned earlier about this movie being all about taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that reminds me of... that. There's another famously bad sequel that is all about taxes. You know what I'm thinking about? I don't know. That is also kind of a monster movie. Adam's Family? No. <laughs> You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to remember the second Adams family. It's the first one where they're actually having a lot of estate. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of estate shit, isn't there? (laughs) No, but that might be the first movie. I'm thinking of Phantom Menace. I just put that together. It's like if your movie if your movie is about taxes, uh, then it's gonna fail. I always think of uh, the Simpsons episode when they're clearly going to see. The Phantom Menace, even though I think they call it something else, but the scroll yeah. starts and it's all about tax policy and trade yeah. deficits. And Homer's like, trade deficits? What the fuck? Uh-huh. Which was my exact feeling and, uh, when that movie started. Yeah. And uh, they, I mean, they, they, they have that, speaking of things that bad sequels do, uh, they also have, uh, they mention the Cubs. Uh, Victory in the World Series. Right? Early is this the movie that they do that? The Cubs where they mention it? Yeah, they mention the Cubs victory in the Yeah, I mean they won in twenty sixteen. When when Burt's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so again in ten years' time no one's gonna care. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So it's a, you know, that's just another thing that also, what do you well, feel about I'm not about even sure if people running... cared a lot two years later in 2018. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, <laughs> what do you think of Bert running a market? This doesn't seem like where he'd be. No, yeah, it does not. After what happened in the last movie, when he was a reality TV star. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to remember, do they, do they re-show that video at the beginning of this movie? Is that still a thing? Uh, yes, I think. Yes, I think they do. Um, yeah, they definitely show it in the next movie. Uh, but I think I think I remember them doing it here as well. Doesn't is this the one? I'm trying to remember. Is this the one where they where Bert chews them out for not taking it seriously because they're watching the reality show? I think that happens in this one. I don't remember. They're all starting to blend. Tom. I know. Yeah. So people watch Bert's TV series at one point. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've made that note. Uh, and it, it's it's like a shorthand 
both to introduce it's a shorthand both to reintroduce Bert to audiences. Yeah. So they're still assuming people haven't seen the previous movies. And also to just the, reintroduce the lore of, of the Graboids. The, of the Graboids. Yeah. Um so that yeah, that does a that does appear, but I kind of like that because this is a companion piece to Bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Um and everything that they do in that respect, I I am in theory uh supportive of. Well, and they I have a note here. It's it's kind of hard for me to even remember. Like I said, these movies are starting to blend together, but it felt like there was an attempt in the script for this movie to try to push that father-son relationship forward. But it just wasn't as successful. Yeah. I, I, I Well, I thought, you know, the, the, there is a kind of scene late on in the movie where, you know, we finally get to the heart of the, you know, the emotional stakes. Bert might yeah. die. How Travis feels about him. We start to see the family dynamic. I'm just not feeling it in the rest of the film. Yeah. Because we come into this movie and that, you know, they've known that they're father and son for a while now. Mm-hmm. We should have had some kind of development they've kind of become estranged again, so we're sort of resetting to the beginning of Bloodlines. Right, and that was the thing that where I thought that was a, a bit of a wasted opportunity. Yeah, I wanted to see that they were relating to each other differently. In this, they just have to learn how to interact with each other all over again. Well, it's just sort of the same shtick. Absolutely. Yeah. And I... I, I at one point, I... I Another piece of the same shtick which comes back with with Jamie Kennedy's Travis is just how awful and inappropriate he is with women. Yeah, for sure. And it occurred to me at one point, I'm like, in the same way that the Trump era provides the perfect kind of cover for Bert and his bad behavior, we've kind of got the same here with Travis and his bad behavior. You know, it's like, it's like, what do you expect? The president's a sexual abuser. (laughs) Right. You know, um, just following his lead. It's hard to sort of like take it out of that, rip it from that context. Um, and you know what? So the the tremors was. Uh, well, one of the lines was, I have I wrote down is there any doctor that Travis won't hit on? Right. <laughs> you know, because right. it was a doctor in the last movie too. And doesn't he tell a woman to take off her pants at one point? Yes. Asked, I found yeah. that I, I I thought that that it was, was like, in trying to save her life though, if memory yeah. serves. But still, <laughs> well, I just I just sort of thought like, you know, uh, Bloodlines was what 2016? 2015? 15, I 2015. think. 2015. So that's pre that's pre Trump. I I wonder if the you know on a screenwriting point of view, it's like you know in the same way that 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 the the, the sort of like the veil of Trump and his politics kind of let racists and bigots be what they what are. What they are, yeah. I wonder if it also lets screenwriters think that they can get away <laughs> get with Get away with anything. Yeah, right. That was my feeling from from watching it. And, it, you know, that always always heightened when you're watching a, a, a series as we are that covers such a huge... Amount of time, right. Yeah, a huge amount of time. 
um, that you start to notice these little pockets when certain things are happening in society and politics and they're coming out in the movie. I did but write I did... down, I wrote down a question, Tom, that said, do Trump lovers uh, or do Trump voters love this movie? Right. Okay. There you go. You know, it was a note that I took. Yeah. And I mean, it's. I I think the I think in reality, the movie and maybe would... in asking that question is just because I can ask that question, maybe that, you know, gathers my negative reaction to the movie as a whole. Yeah. And I think it goes back to, you know, you want to have it. You want to have it both ways. You want to. You want to poke some of Bert's armor mm-hmm. uh, of, of kind of masculinity and anti-government um, paranoia, but at the same time, you just end up reaffirming that what he says and thinks are uh, what's going on in objective reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, that's the fe- the feeling I got that that you you would feel pretty vindicated having voted for Trump. Having right. watched this movie, <laughs> especially as you know, he they, the movie puts as much thought into climate change as Trump probably <laughs> yeah, ever has. Exactly. Uh, well, even by the by the end of this movie, Travis is asking Bert, uh, or just states, "You don't die. How do you not die?" Mm-hmm. And I realized that the audience is probably starting to ask themselves that question yeah. as well. <laughs> you know? it's, one, it's one of those lines that f- that feels like, you know, uh, a, one of the screenwriter's annotations accidentally became a line of dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And so the funny part for me, too, is that I finally came to a place of Tremors where I thought, okay, so Tremors is kind of, forgive the pun from the first movie, but going over the side of the cliff. Yeah. Skiing and, the and, skyscraper. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, skis off the skyscraper. It's just not going to be as good. And I waited a long time to to do Shrieker Island, to actually watch it. And I thought, okay, I got to finally watch this movie. And, you know, once again, ba- reverting back to old form, pleasantly surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if there was a, a reckoning. I mean, it's it's hard to say how much attention anyone's even paying to sure. any individual movie in the series. But, you know, when watching it the way we are, it does look like they recognize that this movie had some fundamental flaws and the next movie was about addressing those in a, in a productive fashion. Heard. That's that's the feeling I get from it. Whether that actually happened or not, whether it's just an illusion of us watching, a, a happy accident, yeah, who a knows? happy accident. But uh, I mean, you know, immediately you're with a smaller pool of characters, and that gives you an idea that that, that they don't want to repeat that mistake. Yeah. Um, or at least they want enough variety that they're going to move away from that for a while. Uh, so, it does. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's interesting, but it—I mean—it is—it is very much, you know. I—I I think you can go either way on aftershocks and bloodlines in terms of whether they're good or bad movies. I don't think there's any real doubt that, that this is a bad movie, but it's the most disappointing for me. Yeah. Because of the potential it had, um, to really make the previous movies count in a way that they've never counted before. 
You know what's funny, too, that I'm just realizing now is that certainly for movies three, four, and five, I kept thinking, okay, this is one movie too many. Okay, you're doing a prequel. Okay, you're bringing this back after over a decade. None of these, you know, every single time I kept thinking, this isn't going to be a good movie. And then it yeah. was. Yeah. And I, I think because of that, I might have walked into a cold day in hell thinking, all right, you've got me, Tremors. And all yeah. of a sudden, oh, no. So, yeah. Well, well, also, but I mean, the, the other kind of illusion is when the movie starts, you you're it's not just it's not just that you you come off a really good run of movies um, and that. Uh, you can kind of convince yourself that this is going to be good too. Is that you know when it when it starts and you you see the choices that the the screenplay is making early on in the movie yeah. before you've seen how they handle it, you get more excited. Yeah. So there's a there is a bigger cliff to fall off for this one just because or because it's definitely it's 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 definitely hit the nail on the head about where the series should go at this point in lots of different ways. Sure. But seems absolutely powerless to make all that good work count for something. Yeah, when you see sand for snow, you go, uh-oh. Right. <laughs> right. All right, <laughs> well, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is Tremors, A Cold Day in Hell, the 2018 film. Let's move on, Tom. I'm ready for Shrieker Island. Yep, let's do it. All right. For Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions, I am Michael Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. Please let us know what you think of A Cold Day in Hell. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. Please rate and review us. It certainly does help. Check out our YouTube channel. Anything else, Tom? Take off your pants. Ah, well said.